hello. Welcome to the No Greater Joy podcast. Here we are, episode 24. This is the ministry of the pastors here at Grace Baptist Church, uh, because we want for our people what Jesus wants for his people, and that's to no greater joy. And we want our people to step into the areas of no greater joy, being a 24-7 worshiper, an alongsider, and a go-person. Uh, I am Steve Strong, lead pastor here at Grace. Across from the table we have... Ryan Atkins, associate pastor here at Grace. And making a sound angelic is Dan Kranick, our tech guy. So thank you, Dan, for taking your time to be with us. So episode 24, identifying spiritual characteristics. Yeah, so this is uh, part four of a series we've been doing on this uh, this idea of spiritual characteristics. And so if you haven't listened to those, head back a few episodes and uh, pick those up. Uh, we walked through what it means to be a natural person spiritually, a carnal person spiritually, a spiritual, uh, more of an adolescent spiritually. And then uh, in this episode, we're going to be looking at what it means to be a spiritual leader. So kind of working through this rubric, this grid, uh, understanding uh, what to be uh, looking for and how to identify various spiritual characteristics characteristics of individuals. That's a hard word to say this morning. <laughs> so here we are talking about uh, what it means to be a spiritual leader. And so we're going to look at kind of how uh, this individual relates to the word, to God, to sin, to goals uh, for this individual, what this individual needs, and, and how uh, this kind of plays out in their life. And so um, Steve, if you could just give us a general description and some key passages that flow with this idea of being a spiritual leader. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> it's good that we're taking time just to kind of talk through these. And I think it's also important, even though we are trying to categorize these different stages or this process, it's hard to pinpoint on a, on a graph a person especially in the midst of a process as they're growing. Other than a natural person, a person who's unsaved, it's pretty clear where you're going to put them kind of on this little grid that we're working through. Um, but, in, but it is important to have a tool that kind of gives some general guidelines and general characteristics. Um, you know, we don't often evaluate our Christian lives, our walks. We don't evaluate our relationships. And I, I think even our human relationships, we don't <clears throat> take enough time just to sit and evaluate and where are we, where do we need to be? Um, but especially so when it comes to our walk with the Lord and thinking about the spiritual growth and this process and these different stages and this grid and these characteristics. I mean, what we're talking about is this is what God is doing in our lives. This is the process that he started, Philippians 1, and he's going to bring it to an end. And so if this is God's business, this needs to be our business. And so we've talked about being spiritually carnal, immature, spiritual infant. We've talked about um, a spiritual person, that adolescence. And now, Ryan, as you mentioned, we're talking about a spiritual leader. And so this is... Um, this idea of a spiritual adult. And so some of the passages that would be pertinent and kind of give some direction to thinking about a spiritually mature person, a spiritual leader, if you will, uh, Ephesians 4.13 <clears throat> just says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, and then Paul writes here, to mature manhood. And that maturity, personhood, if you will, for every person, not just men, but is to measure to the stature of the fullness of Christ. The author of Hebrews challenged his readers, um, just saying, 
by the time that he was writing this and as they were reading this, they needed to be teachers. You ought to be teachers, but unfortunately they didn't progress and they needed someone to teach again the basic oracles or teachings of God. Also, a chapter later, Hebrews 6, 1, you know, just challenging them to leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and to go on to maturity. So there is this sense of spiritual growth. There is a sense of maturity. There can be a sense of immaturity within our spiritual walk. And what I like what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, where he says, Not that I have already obtained this, nor am I perfect. So he's recognizing that you know, they still have room to grow, but he's pressing on to make it his own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this attitude that he has, he challenges his readers there in Philippians to let those of us who are mature think this way. And so there is a way of thinking in a mature way um, and then James just talks about uh, steadfastness, counting it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds, because we know that these trials are testing our faith, that testing produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, all right? And so you have this sense within Paul, James, the author of Hebrews, is that there is a maturity that we need to be striving for. Um, and I think the best way to describe that maturity, that spiritual adulthood, is thinking about the physically mature adults uh, in our lives. And there's a sense of establishedness about them. There's an identity about them that's being lived out. And they're bringing others into that. You know, they're examining, they're evaluating their own lives and habits in order to maximize the impact on other people's lives. You think about, honestly, you think about your grandparents in general. Like, they are who they are. There's not a searching. There's just an established way of living, an established mindset and perspective about their world. Now, sometimes that can be, you know, self-centered and, and wrong, but that idea of just being established, um, you know, some of the other characteristics of the the spiritual info, infant, the carnal, the spiritual adolescent, the, the carnal person, there's a lot of back and forth. The spiritual adolescent, there's a coming into yourself, there's a there's an ownership that's happening, you're, you're learning, you're beginning to establish certain things, but it's really just kind of focused on yourself, which is that time. But the spiritual adult, there is an establishment, that identity has been established, and it's not so much a focus on self, it's a focus on bringing others into that and a focus on other people. So, so that, that's kind of a long description of a, in a general way, um, but I think that's what Paul's getting at and James and the author of Hebrews. All right, so as we're thinking about these spiritual leaders, these adults on this spectrum, what are some of the characteristics that this individual now has in response to God's Word? Yep, 
Yeah, so their response is this first one. What is gonna what's gonna be their response to God's word? Um and as a good Baptist for these three areas, they're gonna have response to God's word, what's their response to God himself, and what's their response to sin. I have a word that starts with an F for each one of these, all right? Um, because we don't use F words, but we have words that start with F, all right? Uh, the spiritual leader's response to God's word is fruit. Um, it, it's producing fruit. Um, Jesus in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16-20. You know, in your going, make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So there, there's two things there. There's teaching. So, the, you know, here are his disciples, and he's pointing them outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. And you're going, you're making disciples, but you're teaching them, teaching them to observe. And so the spiritually mature person is observing. They're doing. They're obeying. Um, uh, there's a, an example in Galatians where Paul is kind of defending his apostleship, his authority, his authenticity, and he brings up a scenario of he had some time with with Peter and Barnabas even, and they were away from Jerusalem, and leaders from Jerusalem came to where Paul and Peter and Barnabas were, and then... Paul, Peter, and Barnabas, they were mingling and eating with Gentiles. Of course, for the Jewish people, that would have been a taboo, although Jesus wiped that all away. But as they're doing that, leaders from the Jerusalem church came, and both Peter and Barnabas like left the Gentiles because they didn't want to be seen eating with Gentiles. And there's Paul. He confronts them, and he tells Peter in his confrontation that he's not walking in step with the truth or keeping in step with the truth. So, like, Peter, your actions are not in line with what's true. And so that idea of being fruitful when it comes to their response to the Word of God, Peter was not exhibiting a, a maturity, a spiritual adultness, because there wasn't that kind of consistency and so keeping in step with the truth, uh, and then John 15, uh, John 15 has become, I think, uh, uh, an important passage for me in listening to Jesus, and when he's talking about the vine and the branches, and the spiritually mature person, the spiritual leader, that spiritual adult, is abiding in Jesus, and not just bearing fruit, they are bearing much fruit. And, and God has been working in their lives. And that fruitfulness, yes, it, it, it's obviously part of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, but it's it's probably more in the sense that there are more disciples, that my life is, is, repro- is spiritually reproducing in others. There's fruitfulness. So that would be that spiritual leader's response to the Word of God. All right, and then... Next category, uh, continuing with those words of F, spiritual leader's <laughs> response to God. Yeah, so their response to God, I would in generally say their response, this person's response is going to be anywhere and whatever the cost. There is a completely open-handed uh, 
take on their life. That, God, I will go anywhere, I will do anything, and at whatever costs. Again, Paul in Philippians 3, a couple of different places in Philippians that illustrate this. <clears throat> in Philippians chapter 3, uh, Paul is talking about just the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. And he is willing to let go in his life all the things that would have been advantageous for him, his heritage, his background, his history. He just like, you know what? I consider all of those things as refuse, as dung, and for knowing Jesus Christ. You know, and I think we, you know, read it earlier in Philippians 3, 12 to 16, of just continue to press on, making Jesus Christ our prize. So wherever God sends us, I go. Whatever he wants me to do, I do. Whatever I need to let go of in life, in order to follow Jesus, I let go. There's no hanging on to things. Um, prior in Philippians, in chapter 2, he's, like, he's given us the mind of Jesus. He's like, you have this mind in you. Where, where it's not looking out for your own interest, it's looking out for the interest of others. But then following the pattern of Jesus, who didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he made himself lower to meet the needs of people. Obviously, the greatest need is salvation. And so it's, it's there is this others-centeredness in, I will follow you wherever, anywhere and whatever cost. And then... Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we can go in even to chapter 4, verse 18. The spiritually mature person, specifically there in chapter 4, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians, he's talking about dealing with the trials and the difficulties in life. You know, we have this treasure and jars of clay, and he's like, all these difficulties are far outweighed by the eternal weight of glory. And so that, that spiritually mature person has eternity in mind. And I will deal with anything. And eternity far outweighs whatever burdens and weights that I have to deal with today, now, or even in the future. And, and that spiritually mature person is looking at the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. Consumed with following Jesus, consumed with what is of eternal value, and letting go, there's a willingness to let go of anything for the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. And so that is that when it comes to what is your response to God, He's my greatest treasure, and I will let go of anything else mm -hmm. and everything else. So, all right. So that's uh, the response to to God Himself. What about the, the spiritual leader's response to sin? Yeah. So, <clears throat> key word for that is fellow. So other people, um, not that 
the guiding principle is only how does this impact other people because sin is sin is sin. But one of those kind of key characteristics of the spiritually mature person, the spiritually adult or the spiritual leader, is that their mind is just engaged with other people. You know, this this the spiritual adolescent, the spiritual person, is, is beginning to think that way. But just like adolescence, there's very much a focus on self for legitimate reasons, for good reasons. Um, you know, the spiritual, the spiritual person, the spiritual adolescent is developing habits, is developing routines. They're taking ownership of their own faith. Like their spiritual disciplines are geared for their own spiritual walk. The spiritual leader still has that, but they have a mind toward other people. So like Romans chapter 14 is the sense of what impact am I having on another person? Mm -hmm. So I will govern my actions by other people. I will not be a stumbling block. I will not be a hurdle or a hindrance to God's work and the gospel's work in another person's life. Um, and I love what Paul says to the Corinthians church, where he's like, I will become all things to all people <laughs> so that I can win some. Like, that leader, that spiritual leader, that spiritual adult is so, like, zeroed in to the impact that they're having on other people. And, like, they will allow their lives to be governed by others. Like, which, just that alone is incredibly foreign in our culture. Mm -hmm. And I think in our lives in general, when there's tremendous pushback internally, when it's like, you mean I'm going to adjust my behavior and deference for another person? No, I have my rights, I have my freedoms. All of those things are let go mm -hmm. in that spiritually mature person. So, All right, so, that's, so that was fruit, follow, and fellow for yep. those three responses to God's word, to God himself, and then to sin. What are some of the goals uh, that we have or should be in mind for the spiritual leader? Yeah, so as a pastor and for those that would see themselves and, you know, they're listening to the description here and their response to to God and to his word and to, to sin and see themselves in this category, I think our goal for that is, and for that person, is the pattern that Paul shows us where he says, imitate me. Like the goal for that person, and if, you know, I have a person sitting here at the table with me who is the spiritual leader, kind of established in their faith, and there's a, a focus on others, is just that. All right. Who are the people that God has put in your life, and you and you just release them? You you like their goal is to be imitated, to be watched, to be followed, you know, to follow the pattern that Jesus did with his disciples. You know, the goal is to to put them in people's lives that they are going to like that spiritual leader on our sheet is all the way on the right hand side. 
Like the goal for them is to put them in relationships with everybody who's to their left. You know, the natural person, the carnal person, the spiritual adolescent person. Like the goal is to put them in their lives because that person, their aim is to reproduce. And so you're going to put them in people's lives and they will disciple people behind them, bring them along with that sense of imitate me, watch Mm -hmm. me. And following really the pattern that Jesus took with his disciples, you know, we won't take a lot of time on this, but, you know, Jesus, he had his 12 disciples and we could work through the book of Matthew and see, you know, it started off when he's, there he is with his, with Peter, James, John, Andrew, follow me. Like, just follow me. And then he begins to minister, and in a sense he says, okay, now that you're following me, now I want you to watch me. Watch and listen. And then it's, he sends them out. You know, Jesus is ministering, they're ministering with him, and there's a sense of work with me. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the, most of that time that he spent with his disciples over those three years was that, to work with me, where they're working together. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, he calls uh, three individuals uh, specifically, but he calls on them to kind of join with me, like watch and pray with me, like step into this with me, because you know our adversaries is asked for you, temptation, your your mind is willing, but your flesh is weak. Step into this. Let's pray. And then after, or at his ascension in the Great Commission, now he sends them off, and now it's, it's work for me. So you have that process. So with this spiritual leader, you're involving them in other people's lives to work in others, to follow, to kind of go through that pattern, where with another individual, it's, wa- it's follow me, it's watch me, it's work with me, it's join me in this, and I'll sending them out. So, mm-hmm. so that's that kind of goal that we want for them. Yeah, we want them to go win the world. That's right. Go win the world. I like that phrase. To send them off. Yeah. So, they, so that, that kind of covered both the goals and their need, which is That's their right. need being reproduction and discipling others. They like, need to be in other people's lives. Yes. I like that idea of if you can visualize that person being on this sheet in the right column and they're looking to their left and reaching back to those other column, those other categories and drawing people yep. more towards that maturity. All right, so what is the what is the way in which uh, you would say that we would mature the spiritual leader? How do we bring them to a further maturity, if that's possible? <laughs> well, we do their funeral. <laughs> uh, because, no, not to be morbid or anything, but um, I think it kind of goes back to... Uh, for those that are at grace that we would identify as our spiritual leaders, how we would try to continue to equip them and encourage them in their own spiritual growth is, I think really what we've just been talking about is putting them in people's lives Mm -hmm. and continuing to push them and involve them in people's lives. Um, and sending them out. I, mm-hmm. I think we need to, um, our church to be a healthy, when our church is a healthy church, we will be that ascending church. Mm-hmm. 
where we will have those that are participating in our core ministries, God is going to be calling them. And as pastors, as we're investing in them, but as a congregation, we're investing in them. Those spiritually mature people, we will uh, involve them in people's lives in our church. But I think those will also be the people that we send them out into mm-hmm. this world as pastors, as missionaries, um, or perhaps even as uh, lay ministry people. You know, if, if if the Lord would so bless that we could start a church, these would be the people that you would start a church with. Mm-hmm. You would send, send them out. Yeah. So. Well, I like that a lot. So. Again, thank you for listening through all four of these categories with us and just thinking through it with us. And um, if you're interested in this sheet that we have, this rubric, this grid, uh, to better understand how these pieces all fit together, uh, let Pastor Steve, let myself know. I would be glad to get you a copy of that on a Sunday um, or shoot you an email with it or whatever. But uh, just let us know. And if you have questions, let us know. We thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us. And uh, until next time, God bless. God bless. Come quickly, Jesus. Mm